when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode, joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. And Ty, we wake up today and the Houston Astros are not World Series champions. Uh, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I mean, geez, congrats to the Nationals. That was a yep. fun series, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what an incredible uh, postseason run that was for, for them and, and their fans. I just, you know, that's the kind of stuff that us as Mariners fans dream about, you know, and, and getting to see the Nationals who, uh, you know, were basically in the same spot as the Mariners for a long time and not ever making a World Series appearance, to see them do that, to see them get off to such a horrible start to their season, too, and to, you know, be down in the wild card game, come back in that, uh, to go up against the Dodgers, who I thought was the second-best team in baseball this year, and handle them with ease. You know, they, they, they smacked the Cardinals, and then, you know, they got down 3-2 in Houston, and I'm thinking, no, no. This is this isn't going to happen, you know. They got off to the two zero lead, and you're thinking that they were going to just run away with it. And then Houston got things together, but you know, the last two games, um, just to see the Nationals do what they were able to do, uh, is pretty inspiring. And I, and I really hope that one day we can see a run like that from uh, from our boys. Yeah, it uh, it was pretty cool because you know the big. Uh... You know, one of the big storylines on the field uh, prior to the uh, start of the series is, you know, man, how are the Nationals going to beat Verlander and Cole twice? Um, well, they beat them three times. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, now, granted, it's not like Verlander or Cole pitched poorly at all, um, but they still walked away with wins in those games. Uh, Steven Strasburg was the MVP. He was incredible. Um, probably would have given it to Juan Soto, but Strasburg's a fine choice. Or Rendon. Um, yeah, I mean, Rendon really the last two games uh, yeah. really stepped it up. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a really good series, particularly the games in Houston. Um, all four of those I found just awesome to watch. And then, uh, you know, the, because the, the Nationals won. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, you know, even the, the national, the games in National Park, they were kind of blowouts there, yeah. um, you know, especially as postseasons go. Um, but it was it was a really fun series. Obviously, we had the big I'm, I'm very happy the Nationals won. Um, I'm probably more happy that there was a game seven because if the Nationals had lost game six after that horrendous call, that would be all anybody was talking about. Yeah. And, uh, that would be a shame because, like you said, this was a great series. It was a lot of fun. Um, two power pitching staffs going at it. Um, and yet it was kind of the offense that showed up uh, for both teams, um, especially late in the series. So uh, it, was just, it was just awesome to see. And, of course, you know, Osuna kind of uh, struggling there. 
in the eighth in game seven. That's that's always nice. And, yeah. uh, you know, <clears throat> A.J. Hinch made some really questionable decisions. And, uh, you know, the Nationals are just too powerful. Howie Kendrick. <laughs> Two major home runs. Howie Kendrick, man. Have you seen that? Have you seen that gif where he does a, like, you know, because sometimes the Astros mascot does, like, dance-offs with people and stuff. Yeah. And so Kendrick did a backflip and the Astros mascot just falls down. I thought that was pretty uh, <laughs> a pretty telling, telling recap right. of <laughs> of that series. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think about it, you, you look at guys like Harry Kendrick and, and his Dribble Cabrera, you know, a lot, of, a lot of OGs got rings last night, too. It was pretty cool. Ryan Zimmerman uh, and, of course... The Fernando Rodney experience. <laughs> I mean, right. that's the probably the best part. And Rowena Elias, Hunter yep. Strickland, they get rings. Um, that was really cool to see. Uh, God, uh, who else am I? I feel like I'm missing someone. Um, Anibal Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, I, like I, I don't know if you saw that that um, right after they won with with him and Serge uh, Scherzer and they're you know crying you know because they had been teammates going back to Detroit and you know, they, they lost the super them. staff in Detroit yeah and then they you know they lost to the Cardinals that one year and uh, you know and now they get one together and uh, that was that's pretty cool just the, last night was just a reminder of how cool baseball is and yeah. uh, and it, and the oldest team in the league wound up winning the the, uh, the World Series. And that, you know, you tweeted this last night. It proves that, you know, you build a foundation with young players like the Nationals did with, with Soto and, and, uh, and you know, Rendon isn't necessarily young anymore, but they built with from within, you know, Strasburg, yeah. et cetera. You build that foundation from within and you, um, and you supplement the rest with, you know, through free agency, through trades, et cetera. That's the formula. That's the formula that we have seen for many years now with the Cubs, with the Astros, with um, with uh, Kansas City, with 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 New York, with the every or sorry, with uh, San Francisco and Boston. Um, it's it's just the way to go, and you know you're seeing that's what the Mariners are doing, and so that inspires hope in me for what they've got going on because this is clearly the way to do it. You just you got to get a little lucky. Yeah, <laughs> certainly yeah. do. Um, you know that's the thing you talk about the the foundation pieces, the Robles, the Turners, uh, yeah. the Sotos, you know Rendon and Strasburg. Those guys are all there. Uh, Trey Turner, um, you know, and I think you know as much as it's easy to make fun of the guy, Bryce Harper was a big part of that. Even though he didn't win uh, the ring last night, he certainly had a big role in progressing this this you know this franchise forward. Um, it's a bit of a shame that he's not there to, uh, you know, to wrap it up. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. And I know a lot of people make fun of him for that, but I feel like, you know, I don't know that the nationals are in the position they're in without Bryce Harper, because Harper brought a face to that franchise. You remember that franchise was terrible Yeah. Uh, before they had the back-to-back number one picks. And then they took Strasburg and then they took Harper and the rest is history. Um, so, you know, I feel like he deserves a little bit more credit than he's getting there. Also, he's not crying uh, because, I mean, the guy is worth $500 million or whatever it is. He's he's doing just fine. Yeah. Um, and he's but, on a team that, you know, they, they have P. 
pieces. Size, yeah, and they and they could do the same thing next year. They just you know got to put it all together. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you talk about the prospect, kind of the homegrown talent. That's your foundation. You go out, you get the Scherzer, you get the the Corbin. That's kind of the wall and the roof of the house. And then you talked about uh, you know Howie Kendrick and Kurt Suzuki and Fernando Rodney and just these uh, Ryan Zimmerman, these veterans uh, that have kind of been around the block a few times. That's you know that's that's the refrigerator. That's the picture frames. That those are the things that you add to make it a home. Um, no. like you have to build the foundation before you worry about, you know, how you're going to, where you're going to hang your family picture. Um, so, uh, I, I think, yeah, the nationals are a pretty good reminder of, you know, how to do it and the Astros too, but we hate the Astros. So we're going to use the nationals in this example. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it seems like the Mariners are doing it the right way. Yeah. All right. Um, that's going to wrap up our World Series talk uh, because we have a lot to get to today. Um, may, our main objective today is to hammer out at least the very beginnings of our offseason plan. We had four people uh, submit their own plans on our staff. We have myself, Ty, uh, Josh, and Colton. Josh and Colton are both uh, contributors to the website, sotomojo.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got to cop the merch. Um, but anyways... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, hit subscribe that's right uh, hit the like button yeah that's right subscribe like share uh but no uh seriously before we get to that guys and that i promise that will be a bulk of this show and it, we might not even be able to get it all on the show um we probably will have to do some final work off off the air so to speak um but before we get to that uh we do want to talk about the uh reports of the uh new mariners pitching coach uh pete woodworth of uh if you if you guys haven't heard, Jason Churchill of Prospect Insider, Hero Sports, the Baseball Things podcast, formerly of ESPN and uh, I believe CBS Sports Radio, um, he's reported uh, that uh, the Mariners are hiring their new pitching coach from within, and it is Double A pitching coach uh, Pete Woodworth, uh, who, uh, as I said, he you know Double A, he was at Double A last year with the Travs. The Travs were arguably the most talented team in minor league baseball last year. Uh, he worked with Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn, Logan Gilbert, LJ Newsom, Sam Delaplane, Art Warren. Um, the list goes on and on. Um, but Ty, I mean, what are kind of your initial reactions? The Mariners promote from within. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's great. And I think it, it really uh, reaffirms the idea that, or the notion that this is an organizational project. This is not just what's going on at the major league level. Um, that they wanted, you know, back when Jerry DePoto first came into this organization and Andy McKay was hired and Scott Service was hired, et cetera, and they always talked about how they wanted to have that same language throughout the organization so no one ever skips a beat and that everyone is on the same page. And I think with, with Pete Woodworth, who is, you know, a, a relatively young guy that is bought into what Jerry DePoto wants to do and – and has worked with some of their biggest pieces within their organization. You know, you mentioned Justice Sheffield, you mentioned Logan Gilbert, Justin Dunn, et cetera. Uh, these are the guys that they feel is the foundation of their future rotation. And, uh, you know, the, this is the guy that's kind of helped them figure things out. You know, double A is a huge jump from high A ball and from low A ball. And, you know, Logan Gilbert, you know, for example, got to double A 
pretty quick on uh, pretty fast in his career and he succeeded and you got to attribute at least a little bit of that uh, uh, transition period to uh, Pete Woodworth and how smooth that went. Um, So I, I'm really thrilled about it. I think uh, it's great that they're going to have a familiar face. You know, they've done this, um, you know, they did this last year where they kept a lot of their best prospects together on the same team. Double A has, you know, had uh, like 15 out of 30 top prospects from Pipeline or something like that. It was some crazy number, um, you know, and, and now, you know, when these guys start to trickle into the MLB level, you know, it, guys like Logan Gilbert next year, they're going to have Pete Woodworth there, a familiar face that has helped them grow as players. And now they're going to grow as major leaguers with this guy. And I, I think it's great. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a little bit there. He's a young guy. He's only 31 years old. Um, he uh, he is in tune with analytics. Obviously, he works for the Mariners, um, so he understands uh, pitch development and preparation, <coughs> things like that. Um, you know, he's very much similar in thought to Paul Davis. Uh, sounds like he is a much better communicator. Um, also understands, uh, you know, the little nuances of pitching coach, maybe a bit better than Paul Davis. Um, but obviously the Mariners uh, value Paul Davis. They kept him in the organization, um, but uh, they decided it was time for a change. Woodworth does have a background as a scout as well, um, which I think is uh, is pretty interesting. Talking about a guy who's a pitching coach who was also a scout, um, you know, he's in tune with analytics and biomechanics. He understands those things, uh, and he has experience on the job and uh, at the job of pitching coach, and we'll see how it works out at the major league level, but I like the idea of um, having a young, uh, a a young guy to coach young pitchers, um, a guy who understands uh, the modern pitcher and all that stuff, and also has the scouting eye to to watch these guys and understand, you know, what would I be looking for if I was an opposing hitter? What would I be looking for here? Um, and so I, I like the blend of all that, and uh, you know, it's it it is worth noting that this has not been confirmed by the team. Um, but you know, uh, we trust Churchill and, uh, also, you know, we tweeted out our congratulations and it was liked by Sam Tui Valala. So, you know, I mean, that seems, that seems yeah, yeah. That seems like a confirmation. So, right. um, so we will wait for confirmation, uh, from the Mariners before we, uh, write anything up on the website, but, uh, it's. I, I feel very confident that uh, Pete Woodworth, the pitching coach, I would expect an announcement either, you know, this week or early next week. Um, but that seems to be uh, the way things are going. And uh, it's, I think it's a great hire. So um, we'll, we'll, hopefully it works out, but uh, you know, these young guys are going to have a familiar face and a familiar voice coaching them through their uh, first extended look in the major. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Yep. All right. Anyways, now let's get to the uh, the meat of the uh, podcast here. Let's talk off-season plans. So if you guys aren't familiar, let's uh, break this down real quick here. The off-season plan is something we've done for the last mm, two years. This will be our third year, I think, doing it. Um, it's a pretty simple process. We Ty and I came up with an outline uh, that we wanted guys to follow. Uh, the outline is you have $30 million in additional payroll. Uh, to add players either via free agency or trade or whatever. Um, so you have $30 million 
you uh, you needed to make at least one trade. You needed to sign uh, at least one free agent. Uh, we really wanted you. We really wanted our guys to try and push for a minor league free agent. Try and identify somebody that way. Um, and other than that, just kind of said go for it. Um, you know, obviously there won't be any Garrett Coles or Steven Strasburgs in our plans. Uh, it's just not realistic. Um, and that really is the name of the game here. We're just looking for realism, uh, you know, something that is at least in the ballpark of possibility. And then um, we're not trying to predict what the Mariners will do this offseason. Uh, we wouldn't even waste our time trying to do that. So this is more about, hey, you know, this is something they could do. This is, you know, a rough outline of maybe they could do this, maybe they could do that. Um so that's, that's really all it is, man. It's, it's a thought experiment where we have a lot of fun. We kind of go our separate ways for a few weeks, and we come up with these plans, and then we, uh, Ty and I are going to sit here and try and jam all these plans together and come up with something that uh, we can be proud of. So, um, Ty, you have anything you want to add about the process here? Um, no, I think, you, I think you hit everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, some additional things uh, that are kind of not relevant now at this point. Uh, we did, uh, we're, well, most of us, I, I uh, some of us, uh, you know, non-tendered guys decided who to tender. Um, and also another thing is that uh, these plans were made before those, uh, the, the non-tender candidates have been outrighted. Uh, so, um, like on my plan, personally, I had the Mariners trading Anthony Bass. Anthony Bass is now a Toronto Blue Jay. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll so have to work we'll, around that, but yeah, so we'll have to work around things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's about it. All right. So, um, other than that, we don't really have a plan for how we're going to discuss this. So, uh, I, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, in our usual fashion here, um, we're, we're going to Scott service this uh, podcast from here on out, um, yep. which I guess is fine. So I've got all four plans pulled up in front of me. Let's talk about uh, let's just knock out the non tenders right out of the way um, mm-hmm. so we can start checking things off the list here. Uh, Ryan Healy is gone. Uh, yeah. That's already happened. So uh, it's going to happen on our on our plan. He's gone. Um, so he's out. Um, we also had, let's see, we had uh, Tim Beckham has not, there's been no decision made on Beckham yet, but uh, I think we have all agreed that he is gone. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tim Beckham is gone. Uh, Keon Broxton, he's already been released. He's gone. Uh, Anthony Bass is gone. Uh, Matt Whistler is gone. That leaves uh-huh. us with Sam Tuivalala, Malik Smith, Domingo Santana, Omar Narvaez, Mitch Hanniger, and who's the other arbitration eligible guy? Uh, I really should have pulled this up. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's six ARB guys left, and I think we're tendering contracts to all of them. Um, we're talking uh, Beckham, Beckham, Healy, Broxton, Whistler. And now Bass. Those five are gone. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you say Sam Tui Valala? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. So those five are gone, which means I think there's five left, and that would be Tui Valala, Narvaez, Hanager, Smith, uh, Smith Santana. and Santana. Yeah. yeah, so we got yeah. them all. 
Um, So the four guys that were already released, plus Tim Beckham, we are non-tendering contracts to. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yep. So there you go. Part one, check. Let's Mm -hmm. talk. Let's talk a little bit about a guy who uh, came up in Josh's plan, uh, but is also a guy that uh, Ty, you uh, you also like a little bit here. Let's sure. talk a little bit about uh, Cincinnati Reds outfielder Philip Irvin. Um, sure. Uh, in uh, Josh's plan here, uh, he plans to trade Malik Smith to Cincinnati for Philip Irvin straight up. Um, so let's let's talk about Philip Irvin a little bit, and then we can talk about uh, price tag and whether or not he fits on our plan. Uh, Ty, you wrote the article on Philip Irvin. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, so uh, so Philip Irvin is basically he should be a platoon guy. Uh, uh, plays uh, the best defensively in, in left field. So if you have a left-handed hitter that you can pair him with. Because he crushes left-handed pitching. Uh, last year uh, had uh, a 3.49 average against lefties, uh, four home runs, 13 RBIs against uh, righties. He hit 2.27. Uh, so that kind of gives you just uh, a little bit of an idea of, of uh, his splits. But uh, overall, I don't. I don't think. I personally don't think that he's worth Malik Smith. I, I think Malik's, even though Malik's is coming off of a bad year, uh, I think Malik's is still the, is still far more valuable player than Phil Irvin. But to me, Irvin is a really good plan if the Mariners were to say trade Domingo Santana, Malik Smith, and maybe even trade from like, the, that group of Braden Bishop, Kyle Lewis, Jake Fraley, et cetera, to you know maybe go get a starting pitcher, et cetera. So Josh's idea of trading Malik's for Urban straight up doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but Urban overall, solid player. Uh, like I said, I think he's a he's a solid uh, platoon uh, kind of outfielder. Um, and I think he would fit that mold if they were able to pair him with a lefty, like Jake Fraley, for example. Right. So, Irvin, also, uh, you mentioned, can play center field. Uh, he can play all three spots. Yeah. Um, how is, I would, how uh, age-wise, you know, club control-wise, what are we looking at here? Because I, I'm assuming Irvin's a relatively young and uh, club control player, but... Uh, I don't know what it, what it's uh what what's that all about? Yeah, so Irvin uh, is not arb eligible until 2021, so he's got five years of control. Uh, he is uh, he's 27 right now, turns 28 in next July, uh, and um, uh, I think what Malik says three years left of club control. Yeah, yeah. Um, six. Yeah, still Malik's even coming off of the bad year, has a better tool set. Uh, defensively, yeah, you mentioned that he can play all three outfield spots. Like I said, his, his, where he's been best graded is left field. Uh, or, uh, or, sorry, right field, I meant to say. Um, right field is pretty much his best spot. Center field, he is solid there as well. 
but for the most part, he was playing left. He was playing right. So both corner spots, and he does okay there. Um, last year had a UZR of negative uh, 1.8 in the outfield. That's over 519 innings. Uh, he's been more of a guy that they use uh, as a pinch runner, as a pinch hitter, and he's actually done pretty well uh, in that area. Uh, had a uh, hold on, let me bring this up. Um, kind of starting to sound like a true fourth outfielder. Uh, yeah, he's a positive. He had a positive BSR last year. So he's a solid base runner, um, and. Um, and he, you know, he's got some sneaky pop to him. Uh, he can, you know, he he's a solid bench piece, but he's not going to be starting a hundred something games for you. Right. But he's a uh, nice player. Honestly, uh, based on the uh, the description there, it kind of sounds like he's Jake Fraley-ish with a little less upside, um, just from the the right side. A little side less upside. Uh, worse defender. Uh, and maybe less pop. Right, but uh, as a platoon player. Oh, yeah. What do you think, as a platoon guy? Is that a good option there? Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's solid. And I think uh, I think if you pair him with Jake Fraley, I think that makes one really strong position for you. All right, so before we go ahead and figure out what to trade for Philip Irvin or if we want to... Um, Let's, let's start clearing out the outfield a little bit. Um, that was kind of a running theme here um, for everybody's plan. Uh, we do have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, moves to make there. So um, let's let's go ahead and let's uh, let's work our way through the outfield here and uh, see what happens uh, after that. So uh, kind of probably the biggest name that I think, um, you know, Mariner fans are going to be most interested in this offseason is uh, Mitch Haniger. Um, but interestingly enough, none of us, none of the four of us came up with a Mitch Haniger trade. Um, so, I mean, I guess to me that kind of indicates that Haniger is the right fielder. I mean, agree? Yeah. All right. So, no Haniger trade. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> it just, you know, honestly, from my point of view, it just it seems more and more likely that they're going to keep him um, at least until July of this year and kind of hope that he regains some value. Um, I'm certainly not opposed to a Mitch Haniger trade and there, I'm quite certain there will be uh, multiple Mitch Haniger trade articles on the website this winter. Um, I just, you know, for this particular uh, off season plan, I didn't, I didn't want to try and force a Haniger trade just to force something. Uh, and it just seems to me that it makes more sense to keep them for at least another couple months. Um, and see if he can bounce back. I, I don't think the difference between uh, trading Hanniger now and trading him in July is going to be worse for the Mariners. So um, I just, I think, I think he probably starts the year in Seattle. So um, none of us came up with a Hanniger trade, so we're not trading Mitch Hanniger done. Uh, let's move over to center field. We do have quite a few Malik Smith trades. Um, so this is interesting. We talked about Josh's Malik Smith for Philip Irvin. We both agree that that is a little bit too much to give up for Irvin. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about some of our other trade offers uh, that we came up with. Um, uh, mainly, uh, you and I came up with the uh, 
the Malik Smith trade offers. Um, so uh, your trade here, Malik Smith and Daniel Vogel back to Cleveland uh, for Jake Bowers, Scott Moss, and Shane McCarthy. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and walk me through that uh, that thought process there? Yeah, so you know, really, um, you know, first I guess go into the Vogelback thing real quick because that's probably going to raise the most eyebrows. Uh, I don't see Vogelback having a, a, a spot like he doesn't really fit where I see the roster going next year. Sure, and. But, you know, again, because he is pretty much solely a DH, uh, that cuts his market in half to just the American League. And there aren't a whole lot of American League teams I would see trading much for Vogelback uh, or really that could use him. Uh, But Cleveland is a team that actually makes some sense for him. He's affordable. Um they have Carlos Santana, of course, but he's probably going to play first base most of the time. Jake Bowers is coming off of a pretty disappointing year. Um, I think Vogelback makes some sense there. Uh, as for Malik Smith, the Indians just need any help they can get in the outfield. Uh, I, you know, I do expect them to cut payroll, of course, but Malik Smith isn't going to do a whole lot for their payroll. I think he's. Uh, set to make like yeah and so uh you know for for cleveland that gets them a a cheap uh major league quality outfielder he's just a guy that still you know stole a ton of bases last year um is a really strong bounce bounce back candidate and the mariners get someone interesting in jake bowers who yeah can play first base but also can play some outfield he's a young guy very much controllable, um, has you know a lot of tools. Was one of Tampa's best prospects and a really good system, and just hasn't really put it all together at the major league level. But I think, in terms, of, you know, initially this deal was just Malik's for Bowers, and I thought that was a pretty fair deal, uh, just considering where the teams are at. When I added Vogel back to the mix, and I really thought about Malik's and, and kind of how that lines up with Bowers and everything, I think Scott Moss and, and Shane McCarthy, Scott Moss is, is the more recognizable arm here, but even McCarthy has had some success. I, I think those are two arms that are solid, but the Indians can live without them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and those guys would help them get players that can help them now on a budget. And that seems to be kind of what the Indians want to do is that they want to continue to try to win and compete, but they want to do that on a budget. So I think that makes sense for where both teams are at. Right. Um, Tell me a little bit more about Scott Moss and Shane McCarthy. I'm not super familiar with either one of them. Um, Moss is a lefty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Scott Moss is the lefty. He's 25 years old. He is. Uh, he finished up the year in AAA, so he's pretty much ready to go. Um, he's a he's a starter through and through. Um, 11.9 K per nine, or 11.09 K per nine last year in uh, in AAA. Uh, that was just through four games with the Reds. Because that's where they got him from. He was in the Trevor Bauer deal. 
when the red uh, when he was with the Reds in Double A, he threw 102 innings, uh, K per nine of 10.85. His walks were very high, however, uh, so that's a bit of a red flag. Uh, but he's a solid, you know, he's a gamer. He's going to be a four five or in a rotation. Uh, doesn't have insane stuff. Um, but he gets outs and he's able to strike guys out. He's able to miss bats. And then that's something that the, uh, that Jerry DePoto has clearly very much liked and, uh, over the years and, you know, that, that's kind of what he's championed. So I think Scott Moss is a really good fit for this organization uh, in terms of what they like to do. And he's close to the big leagues. He will pitch in the big leagues next year, whether it be in Cleveland or elsewhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, he's just he's kind of just one of those pitchability lefties that he likes. Uh, Shane McCarthy, on the other hand, he's a... Uh, He's a really interesting name. He's he hasn't gotten a whole lot of shine. Uh, he's uh, within their organization or within their farm system, but uh, he's a guy in the low, you know, A levels uh, of uh, baseball right now. And he, uh, like Moss, has been able to strike a lot of guys out. Um, the numbers aren't fantastic last year in his fifty innings pitched at A ball, but he uh, he had a three point two five FIP. 10.98 K per nine, 3.24 walks per nine. Um, overall, just having a, a you know quite a bit of success. Um, decent uh, pitch repertoire. Really needs to develop a, a you know a third pitch like most guys, uh, and uh, you know at that level. And then, but I think he's a guy that kind of fits and and helps replenish the back end of uh, of their pitching depth in the in the organization. Sure. Um, so the other uh, trade, uh, Malik Smith trade that we've come up with, um, this is one that uh, I can I kind of came up with pretty late in the process, and I just think it's interesting. Um, I don't know how realistic it is, but I do think it's a an interesting uh, way to go here. I I had Malik Smith traded to San Francisco, who. We never really know if they're in or not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the last few years, San Francisco has been like, oh, you know, we're going to go sign this this veteran. Um, but that's all we're going to do. And you're like, I, are you trying to win 80 games? Like, I, I don't know what you're doing because you're not rebuilding at all. But anyways, um, San Francisco definitely needs outfield help. Um, I have Malik Smith going to San Francisco um, for uh, veteran starting pitcher Jeff Samarja in $4 million cash. Um, so thought process behind this Samarja is in the final year of his contract. Um, he's also 36. So from those two standpoints, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, but Samarja was quite good last year. Um, you know, ERA in the three fives, uh, pretty good. Uh, he throws a lot of strikes. He doesn't walk guys. Uh, he's, you know, he's a number three, uh, basically. Um, and the idea here is that, uh, Samarja gives you, basically um from march until mid-june to july uh he gives you you know six innings every five days uh does a pretty good job of doing that very uh very steady he's gonna he's he's gonna offer you a quality start more often than not um he's gonna stabilize your rotation in the middle there uh until gilbert and dunn are deemed ready because right now the way the rotation looks is that sheffield um, 
Marco and uh, and Kikuchi are kind of locks, more or less. Uh, and then you have nothing. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to start, um, you know, Gilbert or Don in the majors, and I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, but Samarja is a solid middle rotation guy. Um, you do this deal, and you're looking at uh, he's scheduled to make 19.5, but when you take away the $4 million that Malik's is going to make in arbitration, roughly, in the $4 million cash, uh, Samarja essentially becomes an $11 million one-year guy, um, which isn't too bad. Uh, Samarja, he, he's worth that. Uh, Samarja, like I said, March through July, he's a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy, and then in July you can look to flip him uh, maybe sooner than that. Uh, and just the idea here being is that Malik Smith was so bad in 2019 that his value is so depressed that instead of trying to trade him for prospects, you trade him for an expensive vet and then you try and flip the expensive vet for prospects. It's pretty similar to the idea that um, the Mariners took in the Gene Segura trade this winter where, yeah, we got J.P. Crawford and we got Carlos Santana, but actually we're going to flip Carlos Santana for Edwin Encarnacion in the draft pick. And then we'll flip Encarnacion in July instead of, you know, trying to drag out a, right. um, you really want this prospect in this trade. Just do the deal and then, you know, kind of wrap it up as you go through. Um, and so that's kind of the idea, you know, the Mariners for Gene Segura and the two relievers, they got, you know, they got JP Crawford, two and a half, three months of Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Isaiah Campbell and Juan Thin. And so that's the final package. Um, it's kind of that idea here. So Malik Smith for Jeff Samarja, um, you know, may not think Samarja is going to get you all that much in, uh, in, you know, trade this July, but it's worth noting that Tanner Rourke did get, uh, Jamison Hanna, uh, from the Oakland A's for half a season. And Hanna is a legit prospect, uh, has a chance to be an everyday player. So, um, and if you could get Malik Smith for a Jamison Hanna type of player, you probably would do it. So. This is kind of my my idea there. It's a, you know, it's an extra step to getting the prospect you would like to get from Alex Smith, um, but along the way, it also helps you kind of stabilize your rotation. So that was my idea for a Alex Smith trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I got to wonder about you know whether uh, Jerry Depoto is interested in adding that kind of payroll, right. even if it's still eleven million dollars. Uh, Right, but it's or if owner or if ownership wants to do that, so uh, yeah, no, 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 I I totally get it, and it totally fits with what uh, within our guidelines and everything. It's interesting. I also kind of wonder if the Giants see Malik Smith as more valuable yeah. to them than what Samarja could get them on the market in July. You know, so right. that's another thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, like I said, we don't know what the Giants are. You know what are they doing in 2020? Are they competing? Um, based on what we heard, it sounds a lot like they're really trying to shed payroll. Um, and obviously, you know, 19 million dollars of Samarja—that's a pretty big hit. And for one year, uh, the other guy, Brandon Belt, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But it does sound like they're having uh, some lug- luxury tax concerns there, and it does sound like they want to shed payroll. Um, but again, is are they rebuilding? I, I don't know what the Giants are doing. I really don't. So I'm not I'm not sure. They're kind of mariners or mariners in it. Mar- I don't know how to Mariner in. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of mariner in. 
uh, a little bit where they're just kind of sticking in the middle with a big inflated payroll. Um, so I don't know what their overall plan is. Um, I do like the idea of just Samarja in general uh, as kind of that, you know, middle inning guy. And because, you know, at 10, 11 million bucks or whatever, I think that's a pretty good deal for Samarja. But uh, like I said, there's a lot of variables there and variables we just can't simply have the answers to right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay leaning with more of a prospect package for uh, Malik Smith. If that's the direction we want to go. I, I don't have any issue with that. I think, uh, and it doesn't have to be Jake Bauer specifically, but I think kind of having that maybe one for one where it's a, you know, Malik's coming off of a bad year for a controllable major leaguer who's coming off of a shaky year like Bowers has. Um, I, th- I think that makes some sense. I think that's kind of where my head's at still on a deal for, for, for Malik's. If you were to trade Malik's, um, right. you know, that's another thing is that I view Malik's as someone that still ha- has very much a high ceiling. And uh, I don't think you absolutely have to trade him just to trade him. Uh, even if there, you know, there's all this, you know, all these depth issues and all that, you can shake that out however you want. But if you're just going to trade Malik Smith for a couple of spare parts, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, it is important to remember here is that a lot of the Mariners outfield depth does have options and do have legitimate things they need to work on in the minor league level. Um, that being Fraley Lewis and Bishop. Um, and of all three of those guys get sent down, then you're starting outfield. You're looking at, uh, you know, Hanniger, Malix and Domingo. I mean, yeah. so it's entirely possible that the Mariners don't trade any outfielders um, and they just kind of roll with that because, you know, there's six outfielders, but three of them probably need time in the minor leagues still. Um, so, you know, we don't have to trade an outfielder and that's why I'm not willing to give up Malik Smith for, you know, just for the sake of getting rid of him. Um, so, yeah, you'd have to get something that either – Honestly, you'd have to get something that either helps you, you know, get through this season that you can flip when the young guys are ready, um, or you have to get a at least a decent prospect for them. And honestly, you know, the the first option there of you know getting the the guy who can help you in twenty twenty and you can flip, that's just a roundabout way to get you the decent prospect that you want. So, um, yeah, you know, Malik is interesting. It's uh, it's tough because. So we really want to see Fraley and, uh, you know, Lewis and Bishop ASAP. But, I mean, you know, Lewis was great in September, but there are obvious things he needs to work on, uh, you know, probably in AAA. There's a lot of swing and miss there. Um, Fraley just kind of had a rough year after he got called up. His, his good bu- buddy was uh, murdered, um, you know. He had to deal with a thumb injury, I think it was, when he came back. It just, you know, it's just unfortunate end to his great season. But, no. yeah, there's not a need necessarily to trade an outfielder. Um, in fact, we've, or at least I've, I've gone on record and written up that Mariners probably need to add an outfielder more than they need to get rid of one. Um, I think they can do both, personally, but uh, we'll see how that works out. So, um 
I think when it comes to Alex Smith, I'm honestly leaning more towards a prospect type of trade if we can get it. And I do like Jake Bowers, the prospect. Um, for me, uh, the question about Bowers becomes, uh, what do you do with him when Evan White's ready? Outfield. And you stick him in left because I, I, I don't think he's a center fielder. Uh, yeah, no, he, he would play corner. Could DH him. Um, could do a lot of things with him. You know, yeah. just he has flexibility, Sounds- and that's the and that's the thing. And rosters expand to twenty six, so but right. you know, right now he's kind of heading towards a bench role in his career. Right. He's uh, you know, I I looked at uh, Bowers quite a bit when he was with Tampa as a trade uh, target. Um, you know, solid line drive approach, understands the strike zone, uh, pretty good defender at first base, and a, and a pretty nice athlete actually. Um, there is a little bit of Evan White similarities. Uh, uh-huh. similarity there, at least when I you know, watched him, and I know he struggled this year. Um, I like the idea of Malik Smith for Jake Bowers and then kind of uh, figuring out the secondary pieces. So um, you want to do that, we'll, we'll pencil that in, and then we'll probably hammer out the details off the air. All right, um, cool. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Let's go ahead and let's Malik Smith for um, Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers. And then revisit for details. All right. So now that we have Malik Smith tentatively off the roster, um, probably need a center fielder. Uh, probably need one anyways. Um, but Malik Smith off the roster uh, leaves an outfield spot open. Let's let's start here. Um, how are you feeling about Lewis Bishop or Lewis Bishop and uh, Fraley? Are you thinking any of them start the the season with the big league club? Uh, I think of the three, Bishop is probably the most likely to break camp with the team. Yeah, it's uh, kind of, but I don't think yeah. they're going to give him an everyday spot. So yeah, I mean, why have him up if he's not going to play every day? Yeah, I could see. You know, it really depends on how these guys perform in spring training. It depends on. Uh, what the Mariners want to do uh, in terms of service time and all that. Um, So if I had to rank like in terms of like, who's the most likely to break camp with him, I'd say Bishop, Fraley, and Lewis. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right, let's, so we kind of talked about Malik Smith as one of the big ones. There's, Two other big-name trade candidates, uh, since none of us came up with a Hanniger trade. Um, you know, D. Gordon and Domingo Santana are two guys that are, you know, presumed to be heavily shopped this winter. Um, let's, But I do want to start by knocking off a few things here. Um, J.P. Crawford's a shortstop. Kyle Seeger's a third baseman. Uh, if we're acquiring... Uh, I think it was Josh. He had the idea of keeping D Gordon around. Uh, he's good for the infielders. Uh, really good clubhouse guy. Probably not going to get a lot for him. So I understand the logic behind it. Um, his idea was you keep him at second and you move shed long to left field. Well, in our plan, if uh, we have Jake Bowers, who's eventually going to be the left fielder, um, doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to shop around uh, uh, D Gordon and, give the second base job to Ian Happ. Um, so I think uh, three, all three plans have a D Gordon trade. Um, 
which is interesting. Although your plan, uh, your D Gordon trade, uh, needs some, uh, update because you had Anthony Bass as part of it. Um, let's go, let's just run down the three deals real fast here. Uh, your, your initial trade uh, trade proposal was D Gordon, Anthony Bass and $7 million to the nationals for Michael a Taylor and Carson Teal. Uh Um, Colton's plan. uh, Interesting. D Gordon, uh, Brian Perez, uh, and $8 million cash to the Indians for Scott Moss, who we talked about and, uh, Ernie Clement. So that's interesting. Um, and then my D Gordon trade is a bit more of a salary dump ish per se, but they do get a nice little player. Uh, D Gordon, Penn Murphy, uh, who had a great Arizona fall league, by the way, guys, uh, and Dan Altavilla to Chicago for Tyler Chatwood and Ian Happ. Um, so let's kind of let's kind of work through this a little bit here. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, I guess which one do you like the most? I like yours the most. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I I think the Cubs make the most sense. Uh, 4D. The reason why I did mine with the Nationals, well, for one, Howie Kendrick, Brian Dozier, and Ezreal Cabrera are all free agents next year. Um, and for as well as those guys played in the, in the, in the postseason, specifically Kendrick, even with that, I think they'll probably look to add a second baseman uh, there. But um, yeah, I think. You know, I really like Ian Happ. I've always really liked Ian Happ. I would love to see the Mariners get him. Um, I think he fits. I, I think, you know, he has flexibility to play in the outfield as well as the infield. And I, yeah, I really like the player there. I think Chatwood's a, a solid bounce back candidate, a guy that you can take on as a salary dump. And, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's basically a salary swap. Uh, yeah. Gordon and Chatwood both expected to make uh, $13 million this year. Uh, both are in the final year of their contracts. Uh, so it just kind of works out nice there. Uh, the Cubs need a second baseman. Uh, Javier Baez is going to be their shortstop. Uh, Chris Bryant on the trade block. Uh, we'll see if they actually trade him, but he's the third baseman. Ben Zobris is a free agent. Um, you know, Obviously, Addison Russell appears to be on his way out, and they don't really have a lot. They're not going to go out and just continue to pile up money on top of their current payroll. Otherwise, they wouldn't even consider trading Chris Bryant. So that's a that's a salary swap straight across. Uh, Chatwood is kind of a bullpen, you know, guy for them. Um, pretty good peripherals, always ground ball pitcher, decent strikeout numbers. Just never really, you know, he was very sexy a few years ago because he was going to get out of Colorado, and everybody assumed, oh, this is they're he's going to be the number three or whatever. That he, that he looks like he is. And it just never really happened, but he's still a solid pitcher. Um, and I, you know, in, in my scenario here, I had Chatwood uh, kind of sliding into the middle of the rotation as a three and a four. You kind of see what you can get out of him. Um, he does, all, like I said, he does have experience of flipping back and forth between the bullpen and the, and the uh, rotation, which would make him a little bit more valuable um, in July if they so, so choose to trade him. Uh, Ian Happ to me is kind of an interesting piece because you mentioned he can play second. Uh, I think he's played some third even played in the outfield. He just really hasn't hit at the big league level at all. Um, but there is some big time power there. 
in a pretty good uh, pretty good set of wheels. Um, honestly, he does remind me a little bit of Shed Long, um, but with less major league success, believe it or not. Um, so I guess it's my only concern is that half and long seem kind of redundant, but if we're just stacking talent um, and figuring out what to do with it later, uh, then half is a really good, uh, you know, kind of bounce back or uh, opportunity buy, as Depoto likes to say. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, Hap didn't have a terrible year last year. He was a one and a half win player by Fangraph's uh, standards. He had a 127 WRC plus, uh, only played 58 games. So it's a, it's a short, you know, little look into what he did last season. But um, I don't know. I, I, I do kind of wonder if the Cubs would actually deal happen this deal. Like if they think that, because it's basically Penn Murphy and Dan Altavilla for Hap, right? And then it's Gordon for Chatwood. So I'm just trying to figure out if the Cubs think that Hap is worth Penn Murphy and Dan Altavilla. Or if we could do maybe a little better on the reliever side of things, like maybe upgrade Altavilla to say Art Warren, something like that. Sure. Um, my guess is the Cubs would prefer uh, like Sam Tui Valala. Um, but so how about this? In the sake of not being here for four hours. Um, Let's go ahead. Let's pencil in Gordon for Chatwood, and then off the air, you and I will figure out if there is a uh, a package for Ian Happ to add on to this deal. Because yeah. I, I think I think there probably is. It's just it's going to take a while to figure it out, and uh, it's just it's that's not going to be a good podcast. So yeah, and I and I and I really like Gordon for Chatwood straight up. I think that like even if we just landed on that yeah. at the end of the day. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think there's a lot of upside there for the Mariners and, and what Chatwood could do at the back end of their rotation and what he may be able to get you at the deadline if he actually has a solid year. So it's a, lot, a hell of a lot more than what D. Gordon would get you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll pencil in Gordon for Chatwood and then we'll talk about whether or not Hap, we can find a deal that makes sense for Hap. Um, and if not, we'll just stick with Gordon for Chatwood. Um, so that is our first uh, pitcher uh, that we've added. Uh, so uh, we now have four starting pitchers. Woohoo! Um, at least in theory. Uh, so so far, you know, guys, this can be kind of long-winded here. But uh, so far, what we we have uh, somewhat figured out is we have Malik Smith for Jake Bowers, and then we're going to talk about the details. Um, Scott Moss was in two plans, so that seems like a guy we should probably target, and we'll figure that out off the air. Um, and then we just decided on D Gordon for Tyler Chatwood. And then we're going to discuss whether or not we can make uh, Ian Happ a part of that deal, um, you know, relatively uh, uh, not cheaply, but you know what I mean? Um, and then also we have Philip Irvin on the board, kind of waiting to see how the outfield clears out to see if that's a, a good possibility or not. Um, but Irvin is on the board. Uh, see if we can make that work somehow, some way. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Domingo Santana. Um, so Josh's uh, plan is to uh, have Domingo Santana be the uh, full-time DH, 
which is certainly not the worst idea in the world. Um, it's a lot better than trotting him out to left field or right field. Um, so that, that was Josh's plan. I have a trade lined up for Domingo Santana. Um, Colton has a trade lined up for Domingo Santana. And you do not, right? Yeah, I have him on the team. Okay. So this is an interesting little uh, interesting little situation here. Uh, not really a situation, but again, you know what I mean. Um, so you and Josh say keep him. Uh, I'm assuming your plan is to use him as a DH and then outfielder occasionally as well. Yep. Right. And you also, in your plan, had Daniel Vogelback being traded, which would open up DH pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, so Colton, who I don't think is a fan of the Daniel Vogelback gets traded idea, um, <laughs> he, uh, he and I actually came up with pretty similar deals uh, for Domingo Santana. Um, he, he and I both have the Rays, uh, well, not, not somewhere. He has two separate Rays trades, but whatever. Um, he has the Rays acquiring Domingo Santana and the Mariners getting, uh, Michael Brissot, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, left-handed pitcher, Anthony Banda. Um, my trade, uh, involving Domingo Santana is Domingo Santana and Juan Thin. Uh, who was acquired in the Encarnacion trade to Tampa Bay for Jake Cronenworth and Anthony Banda. So we both have Banda in our deals here. Um, he has Brousseau, who's a major leaguer, uh, major leaguer already. I have Cronenworth. Um, interestingly enough, Colton also has Cronenworth in a separate deal, and you have Cronenworth in a separate deal as well. So yeah. uh, it seems like Jake Cronenworth is going to be a part of our plan. Uh, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, so let's start with, um, I mean, Domingo Santana to Tampa Bay, by the way, a uh, quick side note here is I have spoken to the Tampa Bay, uh, the site expert for the Tampa Bay Rays website. And I am sorry to say, I cannot remember the site name for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, let me pull that up real fast. But I've actually spoken to him, and he has said that he believes that the Rays would be interested in. Um, it's a Rays, Rays colored glasses. Yeah, Rays colored glasses uh, on Twitter. Check them out. Um, he he has said that uh, the Rays he thinks would actually be interested in Domingo Santana or Mitch Haniger, um, mainly right-handed outfield power, uh, which both of those guys fit. So I, I think there is a real fit here. Um, he has mentioned. In the past, and this is something we're going to write up uh, kind of as a uh, collaboration with them. Uh, he's kind of looking around and shopping Yanni Chirinos. Um, you guys don't know who that is. Tampa Bay Rays reliever slash starter. Uh, pretty good numbers the last two years. Uh, he believes he's the most likely uh, major leaguer to get traded for the right-handed bat. Um, so, I, I like I said, I, I think we can assume based on what we know that Domingo Santana does have some value to the race. Um, so I guess what it really comes down to is what do we want to do with Domingo Santana? <laughs> As we split down the middle here, two of us say trade him to the Rays, and two of you say keep him. So uh, I, I don't know what you want to do. I'm fine with trading him. It just has to be at the right price because before Santana got hurt, 
we're talking about Santana's going to get a, get the Mariners this package and that package and blah, 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 blah. And then he gets hurt, and then suddenly the value goes down, right? And so is Domingo Santana more valuable to you if he gets back on the field and shows he's not hurt? You know, because I, I, are there still questions about his elbow? Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, like, are, is that going to scare teams? Uh, are teams going to offer the Mariners pennies on the dollar for him because of the elbow? You know, these are, you know, and, and plus it, it greatly affected his performance at the yeah. plate as well. Um, yep. So. Two things we can't know the answer to as we sit here, though. And that's, yeah. that's what makes this really difficult. Um, you know, we're trying to jump the gun here. Um, and predict things that you just, I mean, you can't predict. Um, yeah. We're not, we're not trying to predict things, but we're trying to work with incomplete information to make educated guesses. And anytime that's ever happened, it never ends well. So, um, but yeah, you, you know, Santana was an issue at the plate after he hurt his elbow. Um, what's interesting is, is that the Mariners were, sounded like they were very close to trading Santana before the elbow injury. Um, and even got some late action on him after. Um, and one of the teams most heavily connected to Domingo Santana was the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and it makes sense if you're a Rays fan, Santana's relatively cheap. Um, you know, he's good, a good hitter. We know that. Um, I, I, I would think that they would use him mainly as a DH because Tampa Bay kind of values defense. But Santana's still cheap. Two years of club control. Um it makes sense to me that the Rays would be interested in him. But again, like you mentioned, how bad is the elbow? Because if it's bad enough, then I, then I don't think there's any reason to trade Santana, but we don't know how bad it is. So, so the conclusion that I came to and what led me to keep him on the team was that if I was a general manager talking about Domingo Santana, and of course I don't know all the medical information, but even if I was told, oh, the elbow's good, blah, 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 I still saw him struggle for the second half of the season at the plate, and I still saw him be one of the worst outfielders in baseball last year. So those are things that if the Mariners were to come to me and say, hey, we're shopping Domingo Santana, I'm probably not offering them anywhere close to what they want from. Right. Right. So that's, that's interesting here. We're kind of at a crossroads with Domingo Santana. Um, we are going to have to find a way to get uh, Cronenworth because I think if he's on three separate plans, he should probably be in our master plan. Um, mm. So we're going to have to come up with a way to get Cronenworth. And it's possible they could just easily get him in the Rule 5 draft. Right. They and might not even have to trade for him. Right. That's the thing here, guys. Um, with the two players, uh, real fast, Colton's idea to get Cronenworth was to trade Anthony Bass. Um, obviously, no. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, Anthony Bass is no longer a Mariner. Uh, but Cronenworth, guys, for you guys don't know, let's talk about him a little bit because, spoiler alert, we're going to find a way to get him into our plan. Um, just a matter of how, but, um, Cronenworth is a shortstop, uh, and a pitcher, believe it or not. He does both. Uh, although he mostly was a shortstop this year. I think he only pitched once. 
uh, but he is fast. He has good bat-to-ball skills. There's emerging power there. Uh, he's 24, 25, I think. Um, and on the mound, he actually has like a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and a pretty good slider. Uh, and he is uh, Rule 5 eligible, which means the Tampa Bay Rays have to put him on their 40-man roster or he is going to be you know, eligible for the Rule 5 draft. The issue with that is that Tampa Bay's 40-man roster is absolutely loaded, and Cronenworth is, you know, a pretty good candidate not to make that cut. So, um, now whether or not Cronenworth makes it to the Mariners in the Rule Five, I don't know. The Mariners. I mean, the Mariners six. are. Yeah. So I mean, six. there's a good, decent chance that he does, uh, but not a guarantee, which is why I prefer the trade route. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cronenworth is more than likely not going to be a Tampa Bay Ray um, unless Tampa Bay can clear, I don't know, six or seven uh, 40-man spots, which is possible. Um, but even then, I mean, he's pretty much blocked out of Tampa, if we're being honest. Um, well, and Bam- you even think they, you know, yeah, and you think that they have Michael Brousseau, they have Johnny Diaz, they have a bunch of guys that kind of fit that, utility role yeah Brandon Lowe they have uh, quite a few Jake Cronenworths on their team yeah they do um and even Seattle I mean if if you're acquiring Cronenworth your starting shortstops JP Crawford um Cronenworth has to go on your 40-man roster which isn't that big of an issue uh you can still play in AAA for a little while you don't have to have him on your major league roster unless you draft him in the rule five um but Cronenworth, pretty good athlete. Probably, I mean, definitely has the arm to play third. He can handle the outfield. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, again, this is like the idea of just waiting and drafting Cronenworth in the Rule Five is fine. Um, but if I don't draft him in the Rule Five and I trade for him, uh, then I don't have to have him on my major league roster. I can stick him in AAA, um, you know, kind of let him develop that way out, and then I could use him at third, at second, and in the outfield. And just kind of you know mold him into the role I want. So that's why I would like to trade for Cronenworth versus just picking him in the Rule Five. Um, just more flexibility there. Um, real fast, as for the other guy uh, that both uh, Colton and I mentioned, Anthony Banda, uh, left-handed pitcher, pretty good stuff. He was a high, highly ranked prospect at one point. Injuries have kind of um, you know derailed that uh, that hype on him. Um, he was acquired uh, in the uh, three-team deal with the uh, Diamondbacks and the Yankees, I believe, last offseason. Um, he was he was given to Tampa for Steven Souza. I think that's how he got to Tampa, I'm pretty sure. Um, Makes sense. Two seasons ago. But anyways, uh, yeah, you know, pretty good stuff. Uh, still young, but injuries have just kind of... I mean, it sucks, but injuries... He's he's not, you know, as highly rated as he once was. And I just, you know, I think he's a good kind of lottery ticket that you can throw in your in your bullpen or maybe your rotation um, and just see how that kind of works out. So, um, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, so just kind of looking at the plan we have right now. We've gotten rid of a second baseman and an outfielder. Uh, we have not traded Vogel back yet. Um, Austin Nola's, I, I would think, would be the presumed first baseman until uh, White's ready. Um, although we have Vogel back, then maybe he's the guy. 
So I don't Jake know. Bowers. Uh, Jake Bowers too. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I here's the deal. I think, just realistically speaking, I think you either have to trade Daniel Vogel back or you have to trade Domingo Santana. And I, I, I don't want to say have to, but you probably should. Yeah, because those are two guys that are very, very limited. Their, right, they're uh, basically the same guy. Um, Mallet, I mean, sorry, uh, Vogelback, obviously more club control, probably a bit more upside at the plate, but not much. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I just, I don't think, you know, Santana or Vogelback is one of them has to be the DH. Um, a straight platoon doesn't really make any sense. Um, if you wanted to platoon with Vogelback, you would just go sign a, you know, a one year right handed hitter. Um, Domingo Santana's, I mean, I don't, it's tough because Santana is a good enough hitter that he probably needs to play every single day or close to it. But that defense, man, oh, oh my God, um, that's rough. So let's stick a pin in the Domingo Santana trade here. Um, let's start uh, working our way down the line here. Uh we're going to do that by just going through Colton's plan in general, and then we'll pick and choose what we like um, or what we think might work. Uh, Colton, real fast here. He is the only one that has come up with a Marco Gonzalez trade. Um, Colton might like Ty France more than he likes uh, Daniel Vogelback, uh, which is saying something, <laughs> because at every opportunity, Colton has pitched Ty France to the Mariners. Um, here it's Pedro Avila and Ty France for Marco Gonzalez. Um Honestly, for me, it seems light. Uh, yeah. And I like Ty France, and Marco is not, you know, he's not a number two, so I'm not expecting they would get, you know, elite prospects for him per se. But uh, I I do still have concerns about Ty France. I think he's a nice player, but I think, you know, a lot of his hype is based on AAA numbers. And you guys know this, pretty much everybody hit in AAA. So, was also the PCL specifically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's I said, I like Ty France. I think Marco Gonzalez is just too much to give up. I think Marco is more valuable to the Mariners than any organization in baseball, which is why I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's light. <laughs> Sorry, Colton, but it's really light. Uh, it's, I like Ty France. I don't see the fit because I, I would see more of a fit if we were talking more about Kyle Seager and maybe trading him or seeing what you do with him. But Kyle Seager is going to be the third baseman this year. Um, right. I just don't really see an opportunity to get France playing time, uh, especially right. with Shed Long. And, yeah, I, I mean, just... first base, we talked about this. It's <coughs> as soon as he's up. Uh, so I just... You're not going to, you know, stick Ty France as a pure uh, all-time DH. That's just not a good use of his skill set. Um, you know, if Kyle Seeger was a free agent or whatever, then um, I think France is a good secondary piece. Uh, I don't think he's a lead dog for a mid-rotation arm. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a little light. And like I said, Colton loves Ty France, and that's good. Um because I haven't seen Colton, you know, gush about a guy like this since Daniel Vogelback, and that worked out well. So, um, 
Yeah, but for me, I just I don't see them trading Marco Gonzalez. I think, uh, not saying that they shouldn't, and that they shouldn't uh, explore that. And I'm not saying San Diego is a bad spot for him to land. Um, I just think you know the Ty France thing is just as the headliner. I I don't think that's enough. Yeah. All right. So we talked about his D Gordon trade. He also has Scott Moss in that deal. Um, which again, two of you got two of us do, which is a good sign. So um, Domingo Santana for. Uh, Michael Brousseau and Anthony Banda. We just talked about that. Put a pin in that. Um, Anthony Bass for Jake Cronenworth and Ryan Brolt. Uh, Anthony Bass is no longer a, uh, a Mariner, uh, so that's that's not going to work. Although, again, Cronenworth is going to be in our plan. It's just a matter of how. Um, so let's jump over to... Uh, Josh, uh, real fast here before we dive into free agencies. Uh, Josh, uh, pretty uh, very quiet plan. Uh, Phil Irvin is the trade that he made. Um, he wants to re-sign Tommy Malone um, and use him as kind of a fifth starter and bullpen uh, back and forth type of guy um, as well. And then he wants to sign uh, Marco Estrada to an $8 million deal. Uh, Josh's plan is very much all about uh, clearing the way for the young players that the Mariners have, um, which, you know, I think is fine. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, but uh, like I said, we've already talked about his trade candidate, Philip Irvin. That's a guy that we're still trying to see if we can make work, uh, if we can find the, the roster spot for him. Um, sounds like a pretty interesting player. Um, and then we get to you, and we talked about your Malik Smith trade. We kind of already put that in the in pencil. There at Vogelback, we'll see uh, D. Gordon, Anthony Bass at seven million dollars to Michael A. Taylor. Uh, no Anthony Bass, so have to rework that one. Uh, your your Jake Cronenworth trade is Penn Murphy, um, which I think is interesting. Um, but the one trade that kind of sticks out that we haven't talked about yet uh, is a is for a pitcher that uh, we have certainly been. Um, I don't know what's the good word for this we've been canvassing for yeah. uh, that would be Pittsburgh Pirates right-handed pitcher, Chris Archer. Um, your trade proposal is Braden Bishop, Brian Perez, Ian McKinney, and Kyle Wilcox to Pittsburgh for Chris Archer and Kyle Modis. Is that it? Mm. Modis? Yeah. Yeah. Modis. Modis. Okay. He's a second baseman who's had a really good year in the minor leagues. Okay. <laughs> um, let's, let's go ahead. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So, um, basically I was looking at my plan and I was like, this isn't very exciting. Uh, so, <laughs> so I added this and I have the Mariners taken out a decent chunk of their, of their farm system. They, you know, it, it's the back end of their, uh, you know, top ranks, but, a uh, yeah, a lot of depth. And I think it's a good way for the pirates to recoup a little value that they lost. You know, I mean, there's no way that they're going to get Anywhere near what they gave up for Archer. <laughs> but they get four guys, including a trio of pitchers that are, you know, Ian McKinney is a guy that really turned his whole career around last year after being signed as a minor league free agent by the Mariners. Um, Brian Perez is a young guy that uh, he'll be 19 next year and uh, really, really good upside. Uh, honestly, probably the most underrated pitching prospect in, in the Mariners farm system, in my yep. opinion. 
Uh, <clears throat> Kyle Wilcox is another guy that's like he just quietly produces as a pitcher, and and you know Braden Bishop is. I I don't know about Braden Bishop. I I really love the guy. You know, I love everything that he does and, and what he stands for. And you know, I, also uh, unfortunately, his mom did pass away. If you guys missed that, yeah, uh, and my heart breaks for him for that. Yeah, um, you know, but so much good has come come from you know all the stuff that he's done with with uh, for his mom and you know with the Four Mom Foundation and everything. And um, you know, but overall, as a player. You know, he got he, he's had two significant injuries over the past two years um, that have cut his season short obviously he was able to to return towards the end of the year this year um, but just wasn't able to put it together at the plate um, to me he's Kevin Pilar uh, yeah offense and all because um, Pilar is kind of a shaky offensive player one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. And I think Braden Bishop can be one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Um, I just, I don't know. I I think if he's able to get you someone like Chris Archer, you do it. Right. Um, Archer's kind of interesting. He's kind of a polarizing uh, figure, so to speak. Because um, mm-hmm. anytime we mention him, we immediately get blowback. Um from people telling us that he was never as good as we thought he was. Um, which, I mean, I don't know. He was probably never an ace, but uh pretty good pitcher up until right. last year. 2015, he was an ace. <laughs> yeah, but we're yeah. talking 2020. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Um, Archer was a guy that I was kind of shocked didn't turn up in my plan. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, not, not to be... Uh, boastful or anything like that because it's nothing to boast about but i i don't think there's anybody who's been a bigger chris archer to the mariners supporter over the last you know calendar year uh than i have um which is interesting because you know when he was in with tampa i i basically poo-pooed the thought that any anytime so oh maybe the mariners could trade for chris archer i was always like no no they can't and they and they couldn't but you know um archer in his career we're talking about a three six five fip uh, 9.83 K for nine, 3.06 uh, walk per nine, 44.7% ground ball rate, uh, 386 ERA. Um, you know, 210 starts uh, in his career. So we're talking about a pretty large sample size. Uh, then you look at what he did last year with Pittsburgh, 23 starts, uh, 10.75 K per nine, really good, 4.14 walks per nine, um, only a 36% ground ball rate in a 20.2 home run to fly ball ratio, uh, 20.2% home run to fly ball, uh, 502 <laughs> FIP, and only worth uh, 0.7 F war. Um, simply put, he wasn't very good last year. Um, but Archer is 31 years old. He is club controlled for the next two years, if you want him to be. Um, he has a player option or he has a, uh, two club options for 2020 and 2021. Obviously you would pick those up, um, both years. Uh, and he does have that, I would say at least a number two upside at this point of his career, maybe a number three. Um, but yeah, the guy's still a really good pitcher. Um, 
with the exception of last year. He's rock solid. He's, you know, middle of the rotation at least. He misses bats. Up until last year, he didn't really have a serious walk uh, walk problem. Um, home runs, yeah, they've, they've always kind of been a bugaboo of his. He doesn't have pinpoint command, um, and the stuff isn't as good as it used to be. Um, but the guy's 31 years old. I mean, it's not like he's 45. He's still He can still get guys out. Uh, he's going never going to be cheaper than he was this year. Pittsburgh is completely, we said this at the time, Pittsburgh were complete idiots for giving up what they did for him. Um, which, by the way, thanks a lot, because now we have to compete with Tampa. Um, but Archer's just, I mean, if there was ever a picture of an opportunity buy in Major League Baseball, it's Chris Archer. Um, you know, still got good spin rates on his curveball. The fastball velocity is above average. Uh, the K percentage is well above average. He just he just did not have good command last year, and obviously that's evident by his four walks per nine and also the fact that, um, you know, his hard hit percentage was a lot high. It was, you know, in the 22nd percentile of Major League Baseball. That's not good. Um, interestingly enough, his exit velocity rank was – right in the middle percentile, 48%. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I really like the idea of Chris Archer. Um, you think Braden Bishop's enough? Braden Bishop, Brayden Perez, Ian McKinney, and Kyle Wilcox. Yeah, I mean, you know, you proposed the trade uh, when we were doing the trade today stuff before the deadline. I had Cal Raleigh in it, and I think it also had Braden Perez and maybe like someone like LJ Newsome or something. Right. I feel like Cal Raleigh's too much, mm-hmm. personally. Now, maybe not back then, but now I feel like he's too much. I don't know. I that was kind of the hardest thing for me was to figure out. You know, I I, I debated Sam Carlson. I debated. Yep. Um, I even debated someone like Shed Long. Yeah. Um. I. You know, I, I don't know, because Archer was bad, and yep. I if I'm the Pirates, I want to recoup at least some sort of value, even if it's going to be, you know, a morsel compared to what they gave up with, with uh, you know, with uh, Meadows and Glassnow and all that. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I it, It's... It's a really weird deal to think about because Archer, for as good as, you know, for as many bats as Archer misses, he should be better. Yeah. And do the Pirates know that? You know, are they going to die on that hill? I, if you, I mean, if you're the Pirates, there's legitimate conversations going on about whether or not you even pick up his option. Um, I, yeah. I think they'd be idiots if they didn't, um, because getting anything for him is better than getting nothing for him. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that's something that they'll have to discuss, um, and figure out, uh, one name that we, we do have Jake Bowers now. I mean, I don't know if that's a guy that you'd want to flip after you trade for him, but, uh, um, that's a possibility there. Um, so like I said, if Archer... Like I said, if we get Archer, then our starting rotation for 2020 to start the year would be something along the lines of 
Marco Gonzalez, uh, Chris Archer, Yusei Kikuchi, Tyler Chatwood, and Justice Sheffield. Mm-hmm. With uh, Logan Gilbert and Justin Dunn, probably June, July. Yeah. And I mean, think if, like, dude, think if Archer were to bounce back this year. Yeah. And what that could get you on the market. <laughs> like, that's insane to me. I know, man. It is. I. It's. it's I almost wonder if there's a, a three-team trade between Pittsburgh, uh, Tampa, and Seattle. How funny if Tampa was involved in another J- uh, Chris Archer <laughs> trade? Uh, I don't know. I say... I say we put Archer on the plan, and then we we uh, figure out the, the final tally uh, at the end. Sure. Uh, that sounds we'll, good to me. Right, so let's look Chris Archer for question mark. Um, you have to try and find that right balance, because if you're, if you're Pittsburgh and you say, well, you know, if Archer bounces back, what could the Mariners get for him? That's what Pittsburgh's thinking. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, two years... Uh, on the contract, I think it's like $22 million total for those two years. Um, it's just, it's a good buy. Um, okay, so let's, let's move ahead to free agency because there are some interesting names here. Um, so you and I both have Shogo Akiyama in our plan. Yep. Um, so we'll talk about that. Um, Akiyama, guys, we wrote him up a few days ago, 32-year-old outfielder. Um Good bat-to-ball skills, should hit for some decent average at the big league level. Takes his walks, doesn't strike out much, has some, uh, I, I don't know, I would call it MLB average pop, you know, maybe slightly below average pop in, for Major League Baseball. But, you know, decent all-around hitter, was a center fielder, uh, still is, but he's definitely lost a step. He's used to be considered, you know, a, a 60-65 grade center fielder. Now he's probably a 55-50, depending on who you ask. Um like I said, 32 years old. He is a free agent this year. He is not subject to the posting system at all, so you don't have to worry about that. You just anybody in the world can offer him a contract. Um, so you and I both have him, and we both have pretty um, impressive offers here. Um, when we wrote our initial plan, I offer I was going to offer four years, 40 million dollars. Uh, you had a, a, a three-year deal. Uh, 32. Or 32 with a $14 mutual option in 2023 and a $14 million player option uh, in 2024. So you can max out at uh, five years, $60 million. Um, yeah. Based on uh, new information that we have since we we wrote these plans out about a week ago or so, maybe two weeks ago, um, doesn't sound like Akiyama is going to cost that much. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a good player, but I think major league teams see him more as a number three outfielder or a really good number four. Um, and at 32 coming over, it's not uh, – it's – I mean, it may not cost that much. So um, the other thing with Akiyama is that, uh, you know, how – when – we've talked about the outfield – cramming up and we haven't traded Vogel back or um, Domingo Santana yet so um, you know that's something we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to uh, fixate on there and figure yeah, that out because I, I made it work with Vogel back traded you made it work with Domingo traded so right. 
we got to figure that out. Right. And like I said, guys, we will probably do that off the air. Um, this is, I guess it's good. We're getting a lot of our bulk done here and then off the air guys, we'll probably go and we'll talk to our, our staff and, uh, and we'll, we'll hammer out these back and forth. Uh, just these kind of, you know, these little things that we need to finalize our plan. Um, but yeah, Akiyama for me would be the starting center fielder if he signed. And I'm assuming for you, it'd be the same. Um, Uh right. Um, I don't think Akiyama has much of a chance of blocking Fraley or, uh, or Bishop. And obviously you have them trading Bishop. So, um, yeah, Akiyama, we'll see if he finds his way on. If he does, it's going to be for a lot less than we originally, uh, than we originally put, uh, Fun note about Akiyama before we move on. Um, he and uh, Yusei Kikuchi were teammates, so uh, maybe the Mariners have an inside edge there. Um, and also, again, because he's not being posted, he's a regular free agent, Akiyama could sign today. So you never know when that uh, when that's going to drop. Um, so like I said, going real fast to, um, to Josh's plan here. Um, he has Marco Estrada on a two-year, $8 million deal. Um, and he also has them re-signing Tommy Malone, which counts as free agency. I like the idea of Malone a lot more than I like the idea of Estrada. Um, Malone, you know, based on where we're at right now with the plan, is probably the sixth guy. Um, uh, the sixth guy in a five-man rotation, but, you know... He's triple-A depth. Yeah, but, I mean, out of the bullpen and... Uh, I, oh, I think yeah. you can make it work. Um, and I like the idea of Tommy Malone. That might be a minor league free agent signing. I don't know yeah. if you'd be interested in that. That could also be a one-year, $1.5 million with incentives type of deal. And then you could just cut him and only lose a million and a half out of spring training. So I, I do like the idea of bringing Tommy Malone back at, in some capacity, maybe not as a guaranteed, um, but as a spring training arm with an opportunity uh, because – Chatwood and Archer, they're not exactly, you know, pictures of health recently. So, um, for that matter, you know, Justice Sheffield and you say Kikuchi, they've never, well, Kikuchi did it this year, but uh, certainly Sheffield's never got through a whole major league season. So, I do like the idea of bringing him back in some capacity. Um, so, uh, here we go. Uh, Colton has uh, Michael Waka. As a free agent signing, yep. Two years, ten million dollars with a three million dollar buyout after twenty twenty. So some kind of option uh, there. Didn't specify the option exactly, um, but Waka, I, I think that's a good buy low. Um, it's interesting. Like I said, we have Chatwood, we have Archer, so we've kind of got our rotation uh, locked in there. Um, but I, I do like the idea of Waka as kind of a backup plan. Um, I, I like Michael Walker. I think that's a good signing if you can get him. And mm-hmm. if you can get him at that price, I mean, hell, I might do it anyways. <laughs> um, Tyler Thornburg as a relief pitcher, one year, $3 million. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a good upside play there. Um, yeah. Somebody who ended up on multiple plans and therefore probably ends up on ours, uh, Aroides Vizcaino. Vizcaino. Yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, if you're listening to this pro- uh, this podcast, you probably know who that is. Just in case you don't, he was acquired by the Mariners in the uh, Anthony Swarzak trade with Atlanta. 
Uh, he never pitched. He was out for the year when they acquired him. It's just kind of, you know, it was just a payroll cancellation type of thing there. But Vizcano is a, I, I think the Mariners are going to try and resign him. I do. Um, you have him at $4.5 million in 2020. Colton has him at six. Um, you have a team option attached to yours. I, I, I think we should probably pencil in Vizcano and then yeah. figure out the contract. So yeah. let's go. Let's sign. By the way, we have our first trade of the offseason. Oh, do we? Uh, Rangers get Wellington Castillo from the White Sox. Oh, wow. Yeah. For what? For, uh, and they also got international draft bonus pool money. Uh, for minor league outfielder uh, Jonah McReynolds. Huh. Well, look at that, Jerry. You're slacking. <laughs> this is where you insert the Leslie note. Damn it, Jerry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, there we go. All right, so offseason officially underway, guys. So we're going to sign Vizcano. We're going to figure out the contract uh, later, but it's probably going to be somewhere five, six million bucks um, for a year, maybe a maybe a player option, something like that. So Vizcano joins the bullpen. Um and then kind of my uh, free agency run here um, is uh, – so Drew Smiley to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, $2 million base if he makes the team, $75,000 for every 10 innings pitch, $25,000 per appearance. Um, I really like Drew Smiley. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, it was one of the happiest days of my Mariner fandom when they traded for him. And then he never threw a pitch for the Mariners. So <sighs> such is the way of the Mariners fan. But I really like Smiley as a minor league free agent um, because I think he could pitch pretty well out of the bullpen if you needed him to. Um, it's kind of a multi-inning guy. And I really like Drew Smiley. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Akiyama, we've already talked about. We'll have to see if we can make that work. Uh, I have two relievers that I signed. Um, yep. Hector Rondon. Uh, one year, $6 million. Um, and then one I'm sure Mariner fans everywhere, everywhere will love Steve Ciszek. Uh. One year, $4 million. <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. Well, let me just explain this. There, there's two guys here that I, you know, I like, and for different reasons, I would use both of them as closers, like old school closers. You get the ninth, um, for different reasons. Uh, c because, well, he's done it before and you just kind of, you know, you don't want to force your young guy into that situation if he's not ready for it. So you have c -Sheck. He's reasonably good, despite what you may remember as the Mariners. He was actually decent for the Mariners, too. Uh, he's reasonably good. He's obviously going to be cheap. Um, he has experience. He's done it before. Um, so that way you can just kind of you can write out your, your, uh, you know, your Reggie McLean's and your Art Warren's and your, you know, your Brandon Brennan's and blah, 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 blah. You can do all that and not force them to be closers right away and kind of, you know, mold somebody into that role if you want to. Um, and also he's going to be reasonably good at it. It's about raising your, 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 uh, your floor really. Um, Rondon is a upside play for me. Um, so I, I think Rondon's got really good stuff. I think he could be a closer. And if I stick him in the closer role and he racks up 20 saves, you know, by the, by the trade deadline, somebody will, somebody will take him off my hands. 
for a decent prospect because major league teams really are that stupid. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at um, prospect-wise uh, or uh, free agency-wise. So we both agreed on Vizcano. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any other free agent move that you heard that you liked? I uh, like Rondon. Hector Rondon? Yeah. Rondon, however you pronounce it. Yep. All right. Sign Hector. And uh, I proposed Drew Pomeranz. As your minor league guy? Or as a... Uh, no, just no, as no, like I, a... Yeah. yeah, it was just another free agent signing. Um, oh, I said, and Clay Buckholz was your minor league guy. Yeah. I like the Clay Buckholz. You know what? Let's put Clay Buckholz and Drew Smiley on the list. Yeah. Boom. And hey, you know what? While we're at it, we're throwing Tommy Malone on the minor league list. <laughs> All right. Sign Drew Smiley. Uh, I'm already forgetting your guy. <laughs> Clay Buckholz. Thank you. Yeah. It's like I should know who this is Clay yeah. Buckholz. Well, and you know, and there was some interest in uh, in him a few years ago. Remember when the uh, Mariners were trading for Wade Miley? It was. The Mariners are trading for either Wade Miley or Clay Buckles, and it turned yep. out to be Miley. So, and uh, Buckles, uh, not last year, but the year before, was actually pretty solid. Um, and last year had a pretty rough year. He's probably going to get a minor league deal. That's really good depth. But he's kind of one of those guys that every couple years he has a pretty solid season, and right. uh, maybe that happens again. Yeah, I, I you know I think. All three of these guys um, that we just signed, in theory, to a minor league deal really work out well. Uh, Pomerantz is interesting. Uh, I, I honestly, he was he finished the year with Milwaukee, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he, there's, there's another lefty. I always get confused with Pomerantz, and I can't remember who it is. But uh, he finished the year with Milwaukee. He was really good out of the bullpen. Um, so that would be a, a splashy uh, bullpen buy. Uh, one that Look, I, I I love lefties lefty relievers that strike out guys. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, the Mariners do have Gilbo, uh, although Gilbo could be a nice little piece to throw into that uh, Chris Archer trade. Um, give, give me all the left-handed relievers. I want eight Tony Cedrone too. Then. Yeah, I want. Let's get Tony Watson in there. Uh, let's get Will all Smith. Lefty bullpen. Yeah, Will Smith, I think, is a free agent this year. So, yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. So, we've been talking for quite a while. We're not done yet, or we're not, uh, we haven't finalized our plan, but I think we're going to call us a podcast. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about all this stuff, finalize it here. Um, probably, I'm hoping to start writing this thing as soon as tomorrow. Uh, which means it should be out by Monday of next week. Um, hopefully Jerry can hold off long enough. Um, actually, you know what? Screw that. Jerry, trade everybody. I don't care. Um, but we'll get our plan out there by Monday. Uh, if you guys have listened, though, and you want to, you guys have made it this far, you do deserve a little bit of a, uh, a head start on everybody else. So here's what we have agreed on to some extent. Um, Malik Smith for Jake Bowers. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, Scott Moss is probably, or we're going to try and find a way to get Scott Moss involved. Uh, he was on a couple of teams, uh, a couple of uh, people's list. Uh, D. Gordon for Tyler Chatwood. And then we're going to talk about how or if to get Ian Happ in that trade. Uh, Chris Archer. Uh, that one is going to require, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what that's going to cost. 
um, for us, but it is going to be, you know, relatively small considering what Archer went for just two years ago. Um, and then right now we have uh, sign Oroidus Vizcano, um, contract to be determined. We're going to sign Hector Rondone, contract to be determined. Uh, and we've got Drew Smiley, Tommy Malone, and Clay Buckholtz on minor league deals. Um, that leaves uh, basically the big question marks we have to figure out. Uh, obviously, Chris Archer, what that trade package is going to look like. We also have to figure out if we're trading Domingo Santana or not. Um, or Daniel Vogelbeck. Right. Um, and if we do end up trading, for example, Domingo Santana, uh, then Philip Irvin uh, looks like he is a real possibility to end up in our plan as well. Uh, that sound good? Did I miss anything? Uh, um, we're going to talk. Oh, uh, Akiyama. We have to figure yep. that out. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be Akiyama or Irvin, um, but we have to figure out. Akiyama, yes or no? Uh, good contract for that. Um, also, uh, real fast, uh, Colton uh, minor league free agent signing was Brady Lale. I have no idea who that is. I'm gonna have to research him. Um, <laughs> Let's but, look him uh, up. Brady yeah. Lale. All right, Brady Lale. He played for the Yankees this year. Okay. He, he was. Okay. And he had really good numbers in double A last year, actually. He's a reliever. 31 innings, uh, 13.65 K per nine, 1.72 FIP in double A. Uh, then went to triple A, got smacked around, went to the major league level, got smacked around in two innings. So, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, that's interesting. All right. Well, we'll probably throw him into the hopper then. Um, so yeah, we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes and I feel like we barely scratched the surface. So, um, we're going to let you guys go. Uh, we're going to continue to work on this, um, throughout, like I said, I'm hoping, uh, that we'll have a final draft for you guys to read on, uh, by Monday. Um, that would be what November 4th, um, November 3rd. Uh, so Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Soto Mojo podcast so you don't miss any riveting episodes like this one. Um, make sure you visit the website, sotomojo.com. We have a bunch of good content coming out uh, and already up. Uh, obviously, we're in full off-season mode. We have been for about a month now. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I hope you guys seem to be enjoying the content on that end. So, uh, sotomojo.com uh, for all your Mariners news, rumors, uh, ideas, and uh on Monday, hopefully the official off season plan. So, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, by the way, at Soto Mojo FS. You can follow Ty on Twitter at Dane Gonzalez. That's, uh, at D A N E G N Z L Z. I got that right. Um, yep. you can also follow me on Twitter at CPAT 11, just spelled like it sounds. Um, if you're interested in that, uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Ty, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm just glad the off season's back, man. We're going to have a lot of fun and this kind of just shows how, uh, how fun it's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked to, uh, to work out this off season plan and hopefully get our GM some going on with, uh, all the other fan sided blogs. And, um, yeah, we, we got a lot to talk about. It was a great, great season. Thank you guys for, for joining us and being a part of it. And, you know, obviously the, the product on the field wasn't fantastic, but, started getting better towards the end there as the young guys started to trickle in and uh it was a great postseason 
the World Series was awesome to watch. And, uh, yeah, I'm just – I'm ready for Jerry season now. That's right, baby. So, uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Subscribe. Follow us on social media. Go to the website, sotomojo.com. Click the like button if you haven't already. Um, it's good for YouTube algorithms. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, thank you so much. Uh, suck it, Astros. And I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.